Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much right now for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And Holy Spirit, we ask that tonight, Lord, that you would supernaturally begin to do something, God. Father, that you would already be preparing the atmosphere, Lord. That chains would be broken tonight. That people would know, Lord, that it is you where our help comes from. And Father, I pray, Lord, that your peace that surpasses all understanding will come in this place. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would show us Jesus tonight. Because God, if we see him, we will never be the same again. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to move, touch hearts, open our eyes, and open our hearts to see you. And it's in Jesus' name. Come on, all of God's people said. Come on, Win Oh, I almost said, come on, Winwood. Come on, Kendall, all of God's people said. If you love Jesus, can you make some noise in this place? Come on, hey, I'm going to be sharing a message today titled, Suddenly There Was Light suddenly there was light. I'm going to be reading out of, out of John chapter 8. So if you can, can you just turn your Bibles there? If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. They're going to have them up on the screens. And if, uh, you know, if you don't have a Bible, just feel free to share with the person next to you. If you're single, this may be your opportunity to leave here with a date. Uh, I mean, anything can happen in church. By the way, I met my fiance at church. Ten years ago, and now we're getting married. Yeah! I'm excited. Hey, so John, John chapter 8, verse 12. And before we, get it, before we get into this verse, I just want to lay down some context for you, okay? I mean, what's happening in the book of John right now, it's absolutely incredible. And I just want to let you know who John was. John was that disciple who called himself the one whom Jesus loved. Like, hashtag, like, not bragging. Like, hashtag, like, like humble brag. Like, he was the one who was writing this book, and he was saying, hey, by the way, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And this was the goal of the book of John. The goal of the book of John was this, to illustrate two things. Number one, that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. Right? He was writing this book to let us know that Jesus is the Son of God. Why is this important? Because Jesus wanted us to know that we don't serve a God who's aloof. We don't serve a God who's distant. We don't serve a God who's far from us, but we serve a heavenly father who loves us and that we can have a personal relationship with him. I mean, the reason that we're able to sit in here today is because what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. I mean, God put on flesh. He came to earth. He died. And three days later, he resurrected from the grave. And now because of that, I'm set free from my sin. You're set free from your sin. We're set free from guilt and shame. And now we have access to the father. Now we have access to have a relationship with God through Jesus. So not only is he showing that we are sons of God, but Jesus is this. This is the thing that he, he, you know what I love about God? That he was not politically correct. Like he did not care about the opinions of people. Jesus was just, he didn't care, he just flew off the cuff. Let me give you an example. Uh, on Friday nights, like we like to have, like we like to go big for Calvary Youth. And sometimes we throw these events, right? A couple of weeks we threw an event where about 600 young people came up. And may I add that 70 decisions to follow Jesus were made that night. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. So at the end of the night, you can only imagine how the youth leaders felt. We were like, man, we killed it. Like we did an incredible job. Uh, you know, we, 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 we got 600 people to show up, but I just want you to know that everywhere Jesus went, the Verizon network was behind him. Like everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd of people following him. In fact, Jesus would just call up a meeting. By the way, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was no microphones. Jesus would call up a meeting and 15,000 people will show up. So you can only imagine how the disciples felt in this moment. They probably felt like, man, Jesus, we got 15,000 people to show up. And then Jesus... He would say something that was incredible, incredibly wrong, may I add. 
Because Jesus, he always makes it easy to come, but sometimes he makes it hard to stay. So Jesus would say things like this. He says, hey, and by the way, he offered no explanation. This was a crowd of 15,000 Jewish devout people. And he would say, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then the disciples would be like, what? And Jesus, man, can you tone it down? Like we're trying to, we're trying to keep people. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't have an explanation. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be like, guys, hey, man, relax. You know, I'm just talking about crackers and juice. Like it's symbolic. It's, it's a, Jesus, he did none of that. So you can only imagine how the religious people in this day were feeling with the claims that Jesus was making. I mean, Jesus was making these claims called the I am statements. I mean, he was saying, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And this I am statement is massive because to the Jewish people, this was super significant. Because thousands of years before, God encountered Moses, and Moses asked him, who are you? What is your name? And God said, I am who I am. So thousands of years later, when Jesus started making these I am statements, people were freaking out. Because there was a guy walking around claiming to be the son of God. In fact, further than that, he was claiming to be God himself. And Jesus, he, he makes this statement in one of the craziest times of his, in one of the craziest moments. And I want to read this I am statement. Today we're going to focus on one of the seven I am statements that was made in the book of John. And this is what he said. John chapter 8, verse 12. They're going to put it up on the big, oh, there it is. I like reading off of these screens. He said, this is what he said. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of of life. Can we read that together? Ready? One, two, three. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus spoke this at an incredible moment. You know, sometimes we hear this verse and we forget about the context in which Jesus said this in. You know, Jesus said this after he had an encounter with a woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus he has an encounter with a woman who was caught in the act of cheating on her husband. And then instead of focusing on that, Jesus then turns and says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, if you look all throughout scripture, there's this contrast between light and darkness. For example, he says, he called the day day and he called the night night. The day was called Light and the night was called darkness. In Acts, they're going to put up a verse right now. Boom. He says, this is what he says. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God. So all throughout scripture, we see this contrast between light and darkness. And he makes this statement right after he encounters a woman who was Maybe we don't know if she was cheating on her husband or we don't know if she was sleeping with the guy who was cheating on his wife. I mean, crazy. You can just imagine the moment and the scenario that was happening at this moment. It was, it was bizarre. It was insane. Uh, can, can I uh, transition this to a, uh, to a lighter moment? Uh, can I just ask you this question? How many of you like vacations? Right? The moment was kind of heavy. Uh, uh, I love vacations. I, I, I got another question. How many of you guys like cruises? Yeah. 
Right. Uh, can, I, can I be honest with you? Uh, I hated cruises. Like, I hated them. Let me explain why. Because the first time I went on the cruise, I got incredible, I was so seasick. I mean, I was throwing up, I was vomiting. I don't even remember how the cruise went. So then a month ago, something pretty incredible happened. Like I mentioned earlier, I got engaged. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty amazing. So what we did to celebrate the whole entire family, I mean, the whole entire family, nieces, nephews, cousins, I mean, everyone, we went on this cruise. And let me tell you, at first I wasn't excited about it. But then they said these magic words that completely just, man, it, it just changed my heart. Can I be honest with you? Uh, he said, hey, Mike, look, I know that you don't like cruises, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on a Disney cruise. Okay. I love Disney movies. So you can only imagine while I was so excited when we went on this Disney cruise. I just got to be honest with you. I thrived. I, I thrived. I cried three times on that cruise. I cried one time when we were watching something called the Golden Mickeys. I cried another time where we were walking through the gift shop. And I cried another time when I was eating like a, like a Mickey. You guys know that Mickey ice cream that's covered in chocolate? I mean, but but this, is why I was, this is why I was obsessed with this Disney cruise because as a kid, I was raised on Disney movies. And I, I, I love Disney movies. I mean, Disney movies were the things that made me go to bed at night and, and I was happy and I was relaxed. You know, because of Disney movies, I slept well. I mean... Like, you know that guy, like, every time you go watch a movie with them, like, they know all the words. Like, I know all the words to all the Disney songs. Like, like I'm, just, I'm, I'm just that guy, you know? So every night before I go to sleep, I had a glass of chocolate milk. <laughs> Apparently, people think that's funny to drink chocolate milk. Like, I get made fun of that all the time. I had a glass of chocolate milk, and then I would watch a Disney movie. I would fall asleep like a baby. So I had pretty nice, normal sleeping patterns as a young guy. But then something happened. Uh, a couple of weeks later, my parents thought it was a good idea. By the way, this is my first movie theater experience. I grew up watching a whole bunch of movies, but this is my first movie theater experience with my parents. My parents thought it was a good idea to take their eight-year-old son to watch the movie Blade. Do you guys remember the movie Blade? Wesley Snipes, Jack Diesel, like just, he was half vampire, half man. I mean, it was the craziest thing like I've ever encountered. There was blood. I was, I was terrible. That changed my sleeping patterns forever. Like, I was scared of the dark then, and I'm still a little afraid of the dark now. I mean, but, I, I, but we got to be honest. The darkness can be a little bit scary, right? Because in the darkness, you really can't see what's around you. In the darkness, there's confusion. In the darkness, you can't really walk around. You know, the darkness can be something intimidating. And there may be someone here tonight that's walking around in the darkest moment of their life where they've probably experienced the worst tragedy that they've ever experienced. I mean, in a crowd like this, we can have a crowd of people experiencing great joy and at the same time, great darkness. But I love what the Bible says, that although weeping may come at the night, joy will always come in the morning. That His grace and His mercy is new every morning. That the, that the darker the night, the brighter the light. So when Jesus makes this statement, he ch changes the game for everyone because now I no longer have to walk through my life fearful. I no longer have to walk through my life confused. I no longer have to walk through my life not knowing what to do with it. But I can now walk in my life knowing that I am defined by Jesus. I am now defined by the light of who God is in my life. That I am no longer defined by my past, but I am now defined by the righteousness that I find in Jesus. That is what the light of God does for us. And when we encounter the light, it changes everything. 
It changes the way we walk. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we act. Not only does the light of God set us free from darkness, but it all sets us free from the way that we used to live. Because the way that we used to live before we encountered God, may I add, was probably not the thing that pleased him the most. You know, darkness in scriptures is defined not as someone who makes a mistake, but it's defined as someone who makes a mistake and doesn't even notice. Because at that time, our minds were darkened. May I add, at that time, we sinned and we enjoyed it. We were walking in darkness. And in the middle of this, Jesus stands and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light. We encounter something incredible. And in this story that we're going to unpack, we're going to unpack the story of the adulterous woman that Jesus encountered that I spoke about in the beginning of the message. And throughout this, we're going to see what happens in this story that makes Jesus stand up and declare that he is the light. And in this, we're going to encounter three different things, okay? If you're taking notes, this will be the time. We're going to encounter three different things. The first thing that we're going to encounter is the law. The second thing that we're going to encounter is the love. And then the third thing we're going to encounter is our guilt. So let's pick this up in John chapter 8, verses 2 to, th verses two to 5. It says, at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people were gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in the woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, can we just stop right here? This was, Jesus was in the middle of a church service, maybe something like this. And the Bible says that he was doing what he always does, is that he was teaching the people. He was teaching the word of God. So then what happens out of nowhere is that these Pharisees barge in with a woman in the middle of a church service. I mean, put yourself in that place, in the middle of a service, and they throw her in front of Jesus. Mention that the man that she was with was never, she was never mentioned. The guy that she was with in the story was never noticed. They didn't pay attention to this guy who was also committing a sin. So some of the scholars may ask or may think that, hey, maybe this was a setup. I mean, how else would they catch a woman in the middle of sleeping with another man that isn't hers if it wasn't set up or if they were watching? It's crazy that in the middle of them watching the act, they still thought they were righteous enough to throw her in front of Jesus to accuse her. And this is what he says. They try to trap Jesus. And in verse 5 through 6, it says this, In the law of Moses... He commanded us to stone such a woman. In the law of Moses, they command us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. I mean, this is crazy. They wanted to trap Jesus in this moment. Because if Jesus said, okay, stone her, Jesus would then lose his reputation of being loving. But then if Jesus said, hey, you know what, don't stone her, Jesus now would have had a reputation as a man who didn't believe in the law of Moses. So they were trying to trap him in this moment. And Jesus is about to fix this problem. But I want us to focus on this main point. 
they tried to corner Jesus, but Jesus right now, he's about to fix this problem. But let's focus on the main point. The main point is this. Number one, the law reveals our guilt. And here's the reality. People don't like to admit their guilt. In the eyes of God, the truth is that we're all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. And this was a crazy moment. Because they said in the law of Moses, we're supposed to stone them. But then they forgot the law of Moses themselves. Because what have happened in that scenario for a Jewish man to accuse someone to kill them, automatically what that Jewish person was thinking about was the Ten Commandments. So not even knowing, not even realize that they themselves broke the law, they're accusing of someone else of breaking the law, and they're adding that we should kill her. And the reality is, is that people, we don't like to admit that we're guilty. We don't like to admit that we're sinful. We don't like to admit that we fall short of the glory of God, but the truth is that we all fall short. There's no one here who's better than another person. That's why this place is a judge-free zone. You know, at the cross, it's level ground. We all fall short of the glory of God, and we all mess up. We're all in need of his grace. In the eyes of God, we've, we've all messed up. I mean, let, let's just do a quick survey. Ready? How many of you guys have all lied before? I mean, I have. How many of you guys have all stolen candy, Calvary church pens, <laughs> Bibles? Uh, can, can I ask, can I ask a, a personal question? How many, how many, have, how many have lusted before? Looked at someone the wrong way in a way that they weren't supposed to. So really, what, just so we know that we're all on the same level, we're all defined as this. Liars, thieves, and adulterers. Welcome to church. We're here. An encouraging message about your identity. So we're kidding. This is, this is what we hear. The law, keep it real, the law exposes our guilt. And the reality of this is that the light can hurt. I mean, you ever been sleeping and you wake up in the morning and they turn on the light switch? And then you just experience this pain. The light can hurt. Because all of a sudden, you then start becoming exposed to some things about yourself that you didn't even know was ever there. You, you, you begin to be exposed to these things. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Every single Monday, I show up to CR. And CR is Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christ-centered 12-step program. You know, it's, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? It's, 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 it's absolutely incredible. And I had one of my accountability partners come up and he said, Hey, Mike, you know what? I think you're getting a little complacent in your relationship with God. And can I say that hurt? But, but God doesn't want to expose you to make you feel bad. God just wants to expose you to take you to another level. You see, God doesn't expose you to make you worse. God exposes you to exalt you. You see, that's the difference between sin, I mean, by, between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation will say, you've fallen. You're a horrible person. Conviction to say, hey, you've fallen, but it's okay. I'm picking you up, and we're walking forward. So the light, it can, it can hurt. But Jesus, I, I love what he does. Because despite the fact that they were trying to accuse this woman and kill her, the love reveals, reveals God's grace. So the law means that we're guilty, but God's love reveals God's grace. And I love what's happening in this moment. Because as the Pharisees approach Jesus and they throw this woman in front of her, they say, Jesus, we should kill this woman. What do you say that we should do? And I love Jesus' response because he, he basically ignores them. He then begins to get on the floor. 
and begins to write in the sand. I mean, he feels absolutely, the Pharisees feel absolutely, have you ever been trying to, like, to talk to someone and they're texting on their phone? And like you're just trying to make a point and it's like the worst thing. But this is what's happening in this moment. These people are trying to make a case and Jesus is ignoring them and he begins to write down on the floor. You know, we don't know exactly what he was writing, but scholars indicate that he was probably writing the sins that these men committed. You know, the reason that they allude to this is because in the Greek, there's this word called katagraphin. And in the original version of this book, when they was writing the story, it says that Jesus was, he was catagraphing, means to write a record of. So what was probably happening is that Jesus was writing a record of all the sins that these men have previously committed before they, before they decided to accuse this woman. In text 7, this is what it says. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, any one of you who is without sin... Be the first one to throw the stone at her. You know, this, this, this part without is incredible because Jesus wasn't just talking about the outward sins that you do. But he was also talking about the sin that's in your heart. Because so often we can get things confused. And we can think just because we show up to church every Sunday, or every, just because we're going through a Bible planner, or just because we're meeting these rituals every single day that we're okay with God. But God doesn't look at the outward, you know, appearance. God looks at the heart. So God was, he was looking in deep. And he says, he who is without sin, meaning he who's never sinned outwardly. And he who's never even sinned in his mind. You can be the first one to throw the stone. You know what I love about this is that Jesus is attacking a problem that we all have. And the problem that he's attacking is this, is that it's easier to expose someone else's sin when we have hidden sin. And for some reason, we think that our hidden sin is better than someone else's sin who was exposed. You know, I remember I was talking to one of the leaders here, and he said this. He says, hey, if there's ever sin in your life, expose it before the enemy does. Because hidden sin, it's, it's worse than exposed sin. So we can never be a people who judge others. When we ourselves have fallen short of the glory of God. In verse 8, it says this. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with this woman. I think it's funny that the older ones were leaving first. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they sinned more. But verse 10 says this. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She responds, no, sir, then neither do I condemn you. You know, I love what Jesus, I love what Jesus is saying in this moment, then neither do I condemn you. You know, Brian Houston said this. He says, if God wanted to send someone to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. But God wanted to save the world, so he sent a savior. We have a God who is a savior. So there's someone here, you may be walking through guilt, and you may be walking through shame. But that is not the voice of God. I want you to know that there really is an enemy out there. And the enemy is called Satan. And sometimes we don't like to mention it. Sometimes we can think that it's scary. But can I just tell you, if you're a believer, greater is he who is in you than he who is against you. I mean, we don't have to worry about the opinions of someone else. The Bible calls him the great accuser. So if you ever hear the voice of the enemy telling, you're not good enough, man. You messed up. It's not the voice of God. It's the voice of the enemy. Don't get me wrong. 
Was she guilty? Yes. Did she mess up? Yes. But because of the love of God, grace was displayed. I'd like to say something. I, I think grace is not just a word. In fact, grace is a person. So whenever Jesus steps into a situation, grace showed up. So she just had an encounter with grace himself. At that moment, her life changed because she encountered grace. And I love what he, he says next. He says, Jesus says, then go now and leave your life of sin. This is, I, I like to focus on this word now. The keys could come up if you're anywhere around. I like to focus on this word now that Jesus mentions. You know, we serve a God that works in the right now. We serve a God who says, I am the I am. You know, I mentioned this in the beginning. I wonder why, I, I can only imagine when Moses asked him, hey, what's your name? God says, I am. And Moses is like, you, he goes, I am who I am. I wonder why he said that. You know, maybe it could be for this reason. That whenever you need me for something, just say, I am, and fill in the gap. So whenever you're sick, it's okay to say that he is our healer. So God responds, I am your healer. Whenever you're in a financial crisis, I can stand and say, he is my provider. So God stands and he says, I am your provider. Whenever you feel lost or condemned, he says, I am your refuge. So you never have to be lost. I love this about Jesus. Jesus is a one-stop shop. He's everything you need when you need him the most. He's a God of the right now. Fill in the blank. Whatever you need, he is that right now. God wants to move in your life right now. Why does he say go now and leave your life of sin? Because light always overcomes darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. The light of God steps in. In her darkest moment, when her face is on the floor, she was probably naked, wrapped in a sheet. In her darkest moment, the light steps in. And he now says, go now and leave your life of sin. You no longer need to live in fear. You no longer need to live in anxiety. You no longer need to live in that struggle. You can go now. Can we just be honest for a second? If any of us are dealing with sin in the moment, go now. You don't need to stay there. You can go now. Let it go. You can leave now at this moment. Because God's light always overcomes the night. But the light of Jesus just steps in in this moment. And no longer is Jesus just the light of the world. But he becomes the light of her world. Because sometimes we can read this statement and it's a bold statement. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But now Jesus in this moment became the light of his world. Although the light reveals God's love and the law reveals guilt. And the love reveals his grace. Our hope reveals our light and our light reveals our hope. And you know what I love about this moment is that it was instant. 
You know, when you go into a room and you turn the light on, you don't see a battle between the dark and, and the light bulb turning on. I mean, unless you haven't paid like FPL or something, you know. You, you turn on a light switch and immediately the light turns on. This light was, was immediate. You know what's crazy? She probably planned to go into this adulterous act. But although she, she planned to go into this adulterous act, she never planned to meet with Jesus. Could it be that Jesus knew all the way in advance that this was going to happen? You know, Jesus is not surprised by your struggle. Jesus is not surprised by your limitation. Jesus is not surprised by what you're going through in the moment. Jesus is not, he's not afraid of the darkness that's in your life. Jesus steps in and he becomes a light of your world. It was instant and in the moment, the darkness left. She left now. And God walked into her darkness and he declared, I am the light of the world. You know what this reminds me of? Genesis chapter 1. Ben, you can start coming up. Genesis chapter 1. I mean, an incredible moment. Do you remember in the beginning when we were talking about how Jesus was declaring that he is God? That he is the answer for the solution. That he is the one that you need at all moments. And people were missing the picture. Jesus was making all these I am statements. He was saying, I am the bread of life. You will never go hungry. I am the living water. Drink of me and you will never go thirsty again. He was making these ginormous claims. And people weren't getting it. But then eventually I believe people did get it. Because if the Jews were good at something in this day, is that they were very knowledgeable of the word of God. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, this took them back. Jesus deals with this woman. And then he turns to the Pharisees and says, I am the light of the world. Incredible. Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit of God is hovering over the earth. And the earth is dark and void. And at the sound of God's voice, light filled the earth. And just like the world was dark, Jesus looks down at humanity. In fact, Jesus looks down at your issue. And he says, I know it looks dark, but I will step into it and I will be the light of your world. This was a prophetic picture. That just as the light covered the earth, Jesus, his light covers their world. I, I love what Revelation says. He goes, one day there will be no need for a sun. And there will be no lead for a moon. Because the light of Jesus, his glory would cover the earth. His light is greater than the night. His night covers and changes everything. And then this is something else that just trips me out. Jesus tells her this. He says, hey, go now and sin no more. That, that sounds like a pretty high command, if you ask me. Because the reality is, is that a lot of us, we encounter Jesus and we still sin. And we still mess up. But he says, go now and sin no more. How is this possible? How, this makes no sense for a believer to be able to walk away from a scenario and say, I'm no longer in sin. Wait, but you just messed up yesterday. Yeah, but I, I'm in his light. You see, something crazy happens when we experience 
the light. When we experience the light, we now have vision. And we're now able to see things that we never saw before. So when we were walking in darkness, and when we messed up, we never saw the grace of God. But now when we stepped into the light, and when we mess up, we can look up and see God's grace. And now when we're in fear, we can look up and we can see God's peace. And now when we are in anxiety, we can know that he is the one who set us free. How can we be the ones to walk away and still not sin? The problem isn't that we sin. The problem is when we sin and we fail to see Jesus. The problem is, is that when we sin and we forget the cross, I just feel like I got to let someone know here tonight that we serve a Savior who's greater than your sin. We have a greater Savior than you are a sinner. In fact, the Bible says this, that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. We have a God who says this, that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of our God. Come on, church, can you stand to your feet? And I'm going to close with this. This is incredible. Because this is a story of redemption. This is, a, this is a story of someone who encountered the redemption of Jesus for the first time. Because the Pharisees get this woman naked, abused, afraid, scared. She was the one that people looked at and said, Ah, oh, that person... Never in their lives can they be used by God. Never. But Jesus now tells her, go and sin no more. But then he also says this when Jesus declares he is the light. He says, the one who follows me will no longer live in darkness, but will now live in light. So when you encounter the light, you don't only encounter the light, but you now become a reflection of his light. So he was telling her, go out into the city, go out into your town, go out into your neighborhood, go out into your workplace and sin no more. Go out into your workplace and shine your light. It's a story of redemption. It's a story that if you find your place in the darkest, if you find yourself in the darkest place, Jesus steps in and he becomes your light. And you now have vision and you see his grace and you see his love. And you see his mercy. Come on, can we lift up our hands? And we're going to pray. And we're going to thank God for his light, for his grace, and his mercy. And can you take this moment to just worship Jesus when we pray? So, Father, we thank you so much, God. We thank you, Lord, because we have encountered the light. God, because we are now not defined by our past, but we are now defined by our future. We are no longer held back by our sin. We are no longer held back by our shame. We are no longer in darkness, but we now walk in the light of who you are. So, Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you because you sent us Jesus, your beautiful son. You exposed us. You showed us the light. And now we walk in freedom, and now we walk in hope. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Come on, can we lift up our hands, and can we worship Jesus for what he's done in our lives?